The Full Spectrum Podcast, presented by Champions and Legends. Champions and Legends produces hemp-derived CBD sports supplements for athletic preparation, performance, and recovery. This is the Full Spectrum Podcast with Big Data and Maverick, available wherever you get your podcasts. Big Data back again. I haven't scared you off. This is fantastic. I love it. It's the Full Spectrum once again on the radio waves. Buddy, how's your week? How'd it go? What's going on? Week's been good. Uh, I can't believe it. The 19th episode already. Is this the 19th? I was going to ask you if you've been keeping count. Me? I live day by day by the seat <laughs> of my pants, man. I don't know. <laughs> At this point, we're on track for like 623 episodes. I right? like it. I like that. You know what? And let's see if we can maybe hit uh, some new marks, uh, you know, going forward. I got a big thing for you. I want to start off a huge weekend in sports. We're going to get to all of it. But before that, you know, I like to peruse the internet. I like to see what's going on in this world. And I saw this and I have to ask you because it's been riddling my mind. I've asked everybody their thoughts on it and I've gotten some different answers. So if you, obviously we all know the Corona is, is part of our lives right now. And, and who's combating it more than anybody right now? It's the airlines. And they said, Hey, look, we got enough. We got to, we got to see who's putting uh, switchblades in their in their things. Who's got more than 250 ounces of liquid coming into these security items. Who's got, you know, drugs and other paraphernalia. And now they're saying, now we got to test and see who's got the Corona, but they've combated it. How they've hired the dogs. The dogs can sniff out positive Corona cases. My question to you, big data and to the rest of the spectrites out there, spectrumites, spectrumites. What does Corona smell like? What do you think it smells like? Well, basically, if it's uh, a dog that's interested in it, it must smell like your crotch. <laughs> I would, if it, that means, wait a minute, what do you mean if it smells like your crotch? Well, dogs are always sniffing everybody's crotch. So it must smell like something in the crotchal region. Ah, that's a good point. That also explains why a lot of the answers I've been getting to this question probably smells like chicken, they say. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Crotches, chicken, you tell me. I have no idea. I have no idea. Speaking of chicken, speaking of the first item on the board, we really don't go down this road too often, but we have to because it was the biggest talk of the weekend. Abu Dhabi, UFC. 257. It was Conor McGregor versus Dustin Portier. Everybody and their dog was talking about it from the Twitter world to the internets to everywhere. And they're talking, Conor's coming in. He's going to crush this guy. 155. He's ready to go. He sounds great. He's showing up at the hotels without a shirt on. He doesn't care. He looks physically better than he ever has. And in the second round, he gets KO'd by Dustin Portier, absolutely rocking the world. Big Data, did you watch the fight? What'd you, what were your thoughts on the big fight on the weekend? Yeah, I did catch a bit of it. Uh, my thoughts were more on the gambling angle. Uh, I follow Darren Ravel mm -hmm. on Twitter, and he was saying that 98% of the money was on McGregor. It was as bad a loss as the books could take. Uh, they were just 
so highly leveraged to McGregor. And it's just a, a kick in the crotch for the books. Well, it, unbelievable. Like, I got to be honest with you. To, to have that happen, um, I was losing my mind. But don't, don't worry too much because, hey, the UFC at the end of the day still made their money. I, I did a little investigative work, and this is what I found out. UFC 229, when he took on Khabib, 2.4 million buys. What was the second best UFC fight of all time? It was, again, McGregor versus Nate Diaz, three, 1.65 million buys. And then this one, UFC 257, he takes on Dustin Poirier, 1.6 million buys. Conor McGregor may be losing in the ring, but he's not losing on the pay-per-view bites. And this is where Dana White right now is going, what do I do? Do I get rid of him? Because he did not look good at all. He was not, I'm not going to say he wasn't competitive. The first round kind of went back and forth, but he wasn't himself. What do you do if you're Dana White? Do you keep him around? Because, I mean, one, two, and three buys of all time. He obviously draws a crowd, but that fight might have ended his, uh, dare I say it, does it end his kind of popularity? I don't know. I'm, I'm still on the hook. I'm still trying to figure it out. Unless it's like a celebrity fight. Uh, I don't think now that, you know, he, he's lost his luster. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not going to get the buys that he was getting before. I think they should shelve him for a while. Uh, let people maybe, maybe their memory can wane a little bit and then they'll, they'll bring him back a little later. But yeah, it's definitely, you know, a huge hit to uh, the UFC's ability to, to generate pay-per-view buys and, you're going to need that next star. You always need that next star to come up in your league uh, for you to keep it going. Well, absolutely. And one last thing I'll say. McGregor, here's a little piece of advice from me and Big Data. It's, it's simply all I, all I know. I've never seen you apologize that much and, and be so nice. Go back to the bad boy you were, man. It worked. It got you the ratings. It got you the prestige. It got you a $100 million fight with Mayweather. Do yourself a favor. Go back. Don't be that guy that everyone's asking you to be, McGregor. Be that guy. Go back. Just be the bad boy. Get yourself arrested. Be that bad boy. I don't know what else to tell you because when you were that guy, man, you were kicking ass. Now, being all nice and polite. What's that saying, Big Data? Nice guys finish last. Hey, uh, don't incite any violence, hey? (laughs) Hey, I don't care. I'm looking to make this guy a winner again. He's there. I can see it in his eyes. It's back there somewhere. I'll find it. I'm going to pull it out. From there, we go to everyone's favorite segment. It's simply called Driving the Lane with Big Data. Yeah, it's been another uh, entertaining week in the NBA. This week, we're going to start off with uh, Dame Lillard. He drops uh, his new Adidas kicks, commemorating his 50-point game and series-ending shot that sent OKC home in the 2019 playoffs is basically an ode to trash talking. His shoes are the colors of the thunder <laughs> on the instep. This shows that he had a 50 point game and basically it's a, you know, he really hated uh, Paul George uh, in that series and yeah, it's basically an FU to that Thunder team. Russell Westbrook uh, was on that team as well. And uh, it's it's c- kind of a nonverbal trash talk that is 
legendary. I, I have to admit, I think it's awesome that he did that. But you know what I've also picked up on these NBA guys? Man, are they sensitive. These guys really do take like this game was like two years ago, right? Or three years ago. And he's still remembering it. And he had to call Nike or call his shoe company and say, hey, I need you to make this shoe specifically for this event. It's crazy. These guys really got to let some things go, man. I mean, I'm just saying. It's 100 games a year. You got to have some motivation. I suppose. There. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Next up, we're going to go talk about a former NBA player. He's more of a college star, but he, he had five seasons in the NBA. Jimmer Fredette Jimmer. is lighting it up again. He's back. Jimmer. He's in the Chinese Basketball League. Uh, he had a 70-point game the other day. You know what? Actually, you think that's crazy. That's the third time he's had a 70-point game in the Chinese League. Uh, Jimmer is – he's just like – he used to have the microwave Vinnie Johnson and the old Pistons championship teams that could come in and he would just heat up sometimes. And, you know, that's why they called him the microwave. <laughs> Jimmer. Jimmer. He should be doing this for an NBA team too. Why is he in China? Bring him to the NBA. It's just a three-point shooting league now anyway. Jimmer is an amazing three-point shooter. He's a scorer. I think we need to bring him back. I think you're right. Yeah. What's uh, why are they why are they blackballing Jimmer? You know, I can I can give you quite a few reasons, but we can't get into it on this podcast. Sure. <laughs> Call me later. <laughs> Next up. Let's all just marvel mm -hmm. at what LeBron James is doing. I can't believe he's still doing it. Uh, you know, his stats look kind of normal to previous years. Uh, he's got 25 points a game, eight rebounds, seven and a half assists. Oh, wait, he's only playing 32 minutes a game this year. Not bad. Uh, it's his lowest per game uh, amount of his career. He's shooting 41% from three, which is the highest of his career. He's, it's on 6.6 .6 attempts a game, also his highest career, so highest of his career. So he's, he's shooting better on more attempts, which is fantastic. And then the other night... He's back in Cleveland, 46 points, eight rebounds, six assists, two steals, two blocks. Hey, he played a little bit longer, 38 minutes. Stunning. Uh, you're, you know, for how old he is and how many minutes he's played and how long he's been in the league, it's just absolutely stunning that he can just extend his prime for – Basically, he's been in his prime pretty much his entire 17-year career, which is, is, is really shocking. Um, you know, I'm the biggest Jordan goat guy. But, man, every season that he plays to this level, it gets harder and harder even for someone who's, you know, knows that Jordan's at the apex. Uh, just to say that, you know, LeBron is – He's getting really close. That's all I have to say. It's true. As much as I hate to admit it, and, you know, we have friends of friends that love to argue with us about this fact and how LeBron is, you know, in their mind already the superstar. It is becoming a harder discussion as time goes on to to uh, debate and, and keep Jordan at number one. He still is number one, but, man, it is hard to keep him there when when LeBron is doing what he's doing at his age 
we and basically effortlessly. It looks like he's just doing it for fun. It looks like it's just a pickup game to him to sometimes. And uh, one last thing, I feel like LeBron might be half Swedish. If he's down to 32 minutes a game, that's like the Swedish work week, four days a week. So I, I think that's uh, <laughs> he, he's figured this out. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then we got to talk about your favorite team this yes. year, Mavericks favorite, Whew. the Brooklyn. Nets. I was worried you weren't going to say anything. Okay, go, go. <laughs> so, so far they're 11 and eight. They're fifth in the East. Uh, their expected win loss record is 12 and seven. So they're about a game behind what people would expect them to have. Uh, they play at the fifth fastest pace in the league. There's a stat called SRS, which basically it would say if, if um, all the teams were, were scored on average, uh, who would be above average, who would be below average. So on that metric, uh, the Nets are also fifth in the league. Offensive rating, again, fifth. Uh, 20th in defensive rating, and then overall, they're sixth in uh, net rating. So we're looking at Kevin Durant's playing at an MVP level. Um, basically, I think most folks have LeBron uh, at the top and then Durant, Embiid, and, and Jokic in some order uh, right behind LeBron. Uh, he's averaging 30 points a game. And, uh, you know, one of the great marks of, a, you know, an excellent shooter is if you can shoot 50% field goals, 40% from the three, and 90% from the foul line. And Durant's just a hair under that mark. Uh, so that's like the greatest shooting seasons in NBA history are 50, 40, 90s. Mm-hmm. And, and he's right there. Listen, all impressive things. And, and you know I love that, but I need drama. You're not giving me the drama. Here's my, here's my thing for it, okay? What's the one thing that team is lacking right now? <clears throat> it's a playmaker. Because you got, you got uh, Kyrie. Kyrie just likes the ball as well. You got Harden. We all know he loves to shoot. And you got Durant who's putting up epic numbers. What if Steve Nash comes off the bench? What if he comes <laughs> off the bench and is a little bit of a playmaker? Now you've got my attention. Player, coach. It can be done. LeBron's basically doing it, so why can't Nash do it? Just a thought, just throwing it out there for the internets to grab and hold, and I'm promising you we might see it by the end of the year. Well, I'll give you this. Uh, I mean, Nash is probably pretty good anyway. He can barely run, though. That's a problem. Uh, but kind of not that different from Harden. I'll say so far, um, I think Nash is trying to play Harden into shape. Uh, he's playing him 40 minutes a game so far. Uh, so Harden is kind of taking on the playmaker role. Uh, he's at 11 assists a game. Uh, the rest of his game is not rounding into shape that great. He's about 23 points a game, but his shooting numbers aren't great. And defensively, he is. Uh, he's a tire fire, really, out there on defense. So if you put that all together, um, oddly enough, so far this year, he's barely playing better than your average replacement player, if you look at his statistics. Um, and, you know, the Nets gave up a ton for him. I think he'll get better. Um, he's He needs to get better, but I, I think, you know, he has it in him. You know, he's changing what he needs to do. Someone on that team has to. I mean, Kyrie's not always there, so you don't know you know what you're going to get from him. When he's played, he's been fantastic. Uh, but I think Harden's the one that's probably going to have to change his game the most, and uh, he seems to be falling into that that playmaker role now. 
you know, I want to believe everything you're saying, but I got an email this week from a friend of the program. My good friend Austin sent me an email saying, hey, you know, I'm catching up on the programs. I was off, uh, you know, up in the sites uh, working. I didn't have access to the full spectrum. And I heard this big data. He goes, hey, what's a big data? Number one, he tells me. And I say, hey, what, watch your role. Watch your role a little bit, man. Don't talk about my big data that way. Number two, you know what he says to me? I don't like his Pelicans. I don't like where he put them in the, in the, in the, in the rankings in our preview of the NBA. Big data, what do you got to say to Austin about this? First of all, the people in New Orleans wouldn't even get upset about what I said about the Pelicans. <laughs> That's how little people care about the Pelicans. You know, they've proven so far this year that they are just a horrific defensive team. Uh, they have some, uh, you know, Brandon Ingram's playing great. And, you know, Zion's going to get better. Zion is one of the worst defenders I have ever seen. It's like he doesn't even... It's like they never taught him that there was another half of basketball <laughs> you had to play. Like he thought you only played offense all yeah. the time. Like he literally doesn't know where to go, doesn't know where to look. And, you know, for a guy that talented, you know, I got to say, you know, Coach Krzyzewski, what the heck happened when he was at Duke? He did not learn a stitch of defense. Uh, you know, offensively, he's a super talented guy. Uh, you know, rebounding, he could be the best rebounder in the league by far. Uh, there's a lot of potential there, but right now it is really scary on defense. You know, guys like J.J. Redick, who are you know, great shooters, uh, they're just getting roasted on defense. Um, they're just giving up an absurd amount of points. Uh, I mean, the you know, the worst team in history right now is the Sacramento Kings of this season on the defensive side. Uh, and then it's the Minnesota Timberwolves and then it's the Pelicans. I mean, they're just hemorrhaging points. Uh, it's okay. Fine. Offense is a big part of the game, but you can't be that bad on defense for anyone to take you seriously. I don't think the Pelicans are going to make the playoffs. My apologies, Austin, but thanks for downloading. <laughs> and listening. There you go, Austin. I told you I'd stick up for you. Kind of not really. I told you the big data. He's going to back it up somehow. And, well, he did. And now you lost that conversation. Welcome to my life, my friend. Welcome to my life. Take that for data. From there, we go to the greatest set of football. I mean, you know, I really thought about it. And I said to myself, this weekend, look at the matchups. Let's start with the NFC. Green Bay Packers taking on Tampa Bay. You look at the AFC, you got Kansas City and you got Buffalo. Any which way you make it, the Super Bowl was going to be excellent. It was going to be fun. Let's start in the NFC. It was Green Bay taking on Tampa Bay. It was six-time Super Bowl champion Tom Brady taking on current MVP Aaron Rodgers. And it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going into Lambeau as a wild card and saying, hey, guys, how you doing? We're here just to punch our ticket, and then we're going back home for the first ever home field advantage in the Super Bowl ever after 55 or 54 of these things, count it number 55. Tom and the boys came in, played some amazing first-half football, dropped the ball a little bit while actually intercepted three times in the second half. Green Bay had their opportunities. Let's go to the point that I'm really kind of concerned about. Coach LaFleur with a smidge over two minutes left and three timeouts. Green Bay, fourth down, has the ball on the Tampa Bay eight, and they decide to kick the field goal to make it a five-point game, hoping to get the three and out and get the ball back. Big data, did you like the call by Coach Matt LaFleur? 
So let's look at the call in a vacuum. Say we're not in, you know, a high pressure situation like going to the Super Bowl. Uh, from from the eight yard line, uh, fourth and goal uh, is typically about a thirty percent conversion rate um, historically mm-hmm. for for teams going for that. Um, so that you know, it's not a it's, it's not a, a hail mary. It's it's you have a decent shot. Oh. But the Green Bay Packers this season had the best red zone offense in the history of the NFL. So you're at least looking for a 50-50 on that last play. Inexcusable. Um, I think that's that's the kind of call that you might never recover from. That's the kind of call that might get Aaron Rodgers to ask for a trade request. I think it's just completely horrible. You know, on top of it, you know, Tom Brady, he's the GOAT. Uh, we all know it. But, man, he really tried to give that game away. Those three interceptions were pretty egregious. I can't believe Aaron Rodgers didn't make him pay. And I think this one is going to sting like no other uh, in his and career. And it should. Look, you guys, if you haven't figured it out yet, I'm a huge Packer fan. And it killed me. It broke my heart. I was sitting and crying for hours on end. My son came into my room. Daddy, what's wrong? Daddy, what's wrong? Those were his first words, by the way, because he doesn't talk. And <laughs> and at the end of the day, this is the thing. What killed me was exactly that call. Yes, the three interceptions, that was an opportunity. But like we all know in the NFL, it's nothing guaranteed. But when you're that close, because those interceptions were deep in the Green Bay zone, okay? And and no excuses for their offense I, you know, on on one series, it was a three and out. The other series, they lost five yards. And then the other one, they just punted it again. But when they had the opportunity, even down 18, to finally maybe tie the game or at least get within a two-point conversion of tying the game, this is the thing. We saw it earlier in this year. What are you talking about, you're saying? In the World Series, Blake Snell was on fire and analytics said, pull him out. Matt LaFleur used math to say, this makes sense. What I've realized this COVID year is simply this. The analytics do not work in high-pressure situations. They are fantastic for the regular season. They work. That's there. But when it comes to situational football, last second, it's all in your gut. You go and you get the deal done. Worst case scenario, they don't score big data. They're stuck on the eighth or maybe even deeper in because they let's say they got one or two yards on the play. And now you're giving Tom Brady, by the way, I don't know if you heard, six Super Bowl guy, the chance to move it out of his zone. What they did by kicking the field goal, you gave the guy who's won six Super Bowls, who everyone considers to be the GOAT, you gave him two minutes. You gave him two minutes to save his team, and he did. And that's what kills me. That's the part that kills me. It wasn't really all the other opportunities. It was that situational play. So that, yeah. You know, you know, I, you know, I love the guys doing the math approach, but I got to say, LaFleur joins McVay yep. and Shanahan. They've both, or they've all three made some really strange moves in high pressure situations and you know, coaching is also it's not just it's not just math, you know, it's an art. Yes. And you need the experience. Like look at Andy Reid now. Like how many times did Andy Reid screw up uh end of the game type time management type situations? You know, he was just an awesome play by play guy in the beginning. 
now he's a grizzled veteran. He's in his, uh, you know, what is this, his fourth Super Bowl now. And he has that experience and he makes good calls now. So, so all those young geniuses, uh, they still, you know, they still got to go through their reps and, and figure out, you know, that when, when do you trust your gut and, and when do you go Absolutely. with the Absolutely. Well said. And I couldn't agree more. They, I just hope they do learn from it. And all I'm going to say and leave it on this one, and then we'll move over to the Kansas city Buffalo game is simply this Tom Brady looks phenomenal. All I'm going to tell you in this off season, avocado and ice cream all night long. That's all I'm doing. Avocado ice cream all night long. <laughs> like this guy looks like he's 28, 29, 30 years old, man. He looks fantastic and he is about to go to his 10th Super Bowl and ladies and gentlemen here's a stat I found uh, on the internet 55 Super Bowls Tom Brady has been to 18% of the Super Bowls I I can't even say anything else so who's the old who's the goat going to take on he's taking on the new goat it was Kansas City at home taking on the hottest team in the NFL the Buffalo Bills and you know what? Some fans in the stadium. It was fun to see. It was great to hear all that. And man, Buffalo took a nice nine to nothing lead. And then Kansas City said, hey, hold my beer. Watch this. 36 unanswered points, basically, and absolutely rout the Buffalo Bills, dashing their, their hopes of getting to the Super Bowl again. And it's now the old Grizzly six-time Super Bowl champion Tom ba- Brady versus the new GOAT, maybe the new dynasty in the formation of the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Big data. What did you think of that game? Well, first of all, I'll say Mahomes psyched us all out. Uh, I thought he'd be, you know, he had his, his, you know, his brain rattled. His toe was hurting, a turf toe. I thought he would be limited in some way. He wasn't. There was nothing bothering him. And he played like the best player in the world. And then on the Bills front, you know, same thing. There's some questions about the coaching. Uh, obviously, Josh Allen and the team, they just they looked inexperienced for that position. Uh, but the Bills Mafia, they got way too conservative. And you know what? You're playing maybe one of the all-time greatest offenses. Uh, they could become a dynasty. You know, you can't do things like kick a field goal when you're in deep uh, to end the half. Mahomes is going to get you you're you're you would be really really lucky if he ever scored under 30 points in a especially in the playoff game you got to throw everything out there and the bills they didn't throw everything out there they left some on the field what have i been saying for the last couple of weeks as we've been heading into the playoffs even the few games before the playoffs i said this is all going to be about the hottest teams now granted buffalo was hot and was literally the hottest team going in but they were too hot too early you literally now have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who, in my opinion, got hot at the exact moment. And you're also now playing the Kansas City Chiefs, who also got hot. They weren't they weren't getting hot. They were like kind of stagnant because they've been hot all year. And then they kind of simmered and then they put it back onto the boiling point. The scary thing about the upcoming Super Bowl is that I wouldn't be surprised if we hit the 45-point number. This is going to be, I think, an absolute back-and-forth game. I really do. Even though both defenses have been carrying their teams in the playoffs to some degree, I just think this is going to really come down to offensive geniuses on both sides. I'm not going to give you my prediction this week. We'll give it next week. But I will say this one last thing. 
the nickname, I love nicknames, you know, and, and I think that a lot of them ring, ring true. Like we have good friends, the head and, and the CEO and so on and so forth. And I think that they all have their points, but the cheetah truly is the greatest name you can give Tyree Hill. This guy, when he gets the ball, dude, no, I don't care. I think you have to, I think some teams should actually look and maybe get Hussein Bolt on their team just for the purpose of tracking this guy down. I have never seen anybody that fast with pads on. It is, un, I, and, and I'm literally even saying to you, Lamar, Lamar is like shifty and fast. Don't get me wrong. But when Tyree cats the ball, just let him score because it's a, it's, it's a complete, you know, you're, you're wasting your time trying to chase this guy down. You're, you're completely wasting your time. It's a, it's so fun to watch this offense. Andy Reid's got these guys clicking, man. I am super pumped for Super Bowl 55. And the first, yeah. First, first of all, the greatest nickname that I've ever heard Squid. is Squid. Squid's good too. I like Squid. It's an awesome nickname. But you're right. The Cheetah's amazing. One thing I would say, you know, when you're going against the Chiefs, I think everyone should be in Bill Belichick versus peak Peyton Manning mode. Do you remember that uh, AFC Championship game where uh, New England was playing uh, mm-hmm. the Colts and Belichick, remember, he, he, he just wouldn't yeah, punch Yeah, really. I do remember this. Yeah. He was just going for it all the time. You know what? That's what you need to do against the Chiefs. Uh, you need to go for it as much as possible. Sure, this, this time coming up, you're going to have Tom Brady going against him, but you need extra possessions. They are going to slice and dice your defense, and you have to basically throw everything out the window and, and, and just – put everything on you can on the field yeah, to try and it's going to be fun to watch i'm super pumped i'm excited and i really do believe that this is going to be the greatest the hype will live up to it it's not going to be a mcgregor fight this is not going to be done by halftime this will be coming down to a field goal or a touchdown to end the super bowl it's going to be phenomenal and it's really going to be maybe the passing of the torch or can you b- possibly believe that tom might win his seventh super bowl it's unfathomable. I can't. I can't even figure this out, man. This is so crazy. Well, they are. They, they are. I know. Old. Crazy, right? All right. From there, it's old school versus new school. Well, that's the best setup I could possibly ask for when we get into great debate. This week, I'm sure you saw it on the internets again. It was old man Shaquille O'Neal getting on TNT, and he basically had a post game interview with the Utah Jazz, Donovan Mitchell. And he says to him, and he says to him on the microphone, I said tonight that you are one of my most favorite players, but you don't have what it takes to get to the next level. Mitchell responds, All right. It was an awkward <laughs> interview back and forth. Here's the question I have to you. We've been saying it for years. And in fact, the Super Bowl is another scenario of it. It's old versus new. Did Shaquille O'Neal have the right? to call out the young generation and say, hey, man, I just don't see that je ne sais quoi. I don't see that quality that's going to make you as good as I was. Does he have the right to say that to this new generation of superstars? Well, we're going we're gonna to jog uh, Shaq's memory here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rattle off some stats for you here. Donovan Mitchell, this is his fourth season. So for his career, he's 23 points a game four rebounds, four assists, about 33 minutes a game, and he takes about 19 shots a game. 
And in the playoffs, he's been into three playoffs. Uh, he averages more points, so about 27 points a game in the playoffs, five rebounds, four assists. He plays a little more, 38 minutes, takes a few more shots, 22 shots a game. Last playoff, he was amazing. He made it to two rounds, 36 points per game, five rebounds, five assists, again playing 38 minutes, and still only show, throwing up about 22 shots a game. Let's go to Shaq's career. Let's go to Shaq's first three seasons in the NBA. He's about 27 points a game, 13 rebounds, two assists. He used to play 38 minutes back a game in, uh, per game back then and take 19 shots a game. And here's Shaq's first three playoff rounds, or sorry, playoff years. 23 points per game, 12 rebounds, three assists, about 39 minutes a game and 17 shots per game. Shaq, in his first three years in any individual playoff year, did not average 36 points a game like Donovan Mitchell. Shaq, one of the most physically gifted athletes in the history of our planet, barely did better than Donovan Mitchell in his first three playoffs. You know, take some vitamins, Shaq. Get the memory back. And give this kid some kudos. He might have a great career ahead of him. I'm going to say he was Oh, alive. boy. You know, I, I, I'm still, as you were going through the stats and you're going through everything, I actually didn't know which way I wanted to stand on this. A piece of me says, you know what, Shaq, you can say what you want. You can say what you want because you got your titles. You got this. You got your points. You were considered the most dominant uh, player at one time in the entire NBA Donovan, I don't think we'll ever get that sort of title, but I'm going to agree with you because here it is. Shaq, didn't you need Kobe? God rest your soul. Didn't you need Dwayne Wade? So until Mitchell gets maybe a counterpart that can, and it, by the way, it's not Rudy. It's not Rudy Goddard. So until <laughs> he gets a, a counterpart, I'm actually with you, Shaq. You might have to stab, stand, stand back a little bit and let the guy because he is doing some unbelievable things. I love the spider. I think he's awesome. Kind of just, it was awkward that he brought it up during, after an amazing game. So that's where it was kind of offside for me, but I'm going to side with you. So this one's kind of an easy debate. We both agreed. Big deal. What's the big deal? Next week we'll argue about it. Who cares, right? That's the way it is. There it is. It's the great debate, the full spectrum. We're done for another week. Big data. I think we crushed it again. I love it. Uh, thanks for the downloads, everybody. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you again soon. The Full Spectrum Podcast, presented by Champions and Legends. Champions and Legends produces hemp-derived CBD sports supplements for athletic preparation, performance, and recovery. Where do you get avocado ice cream? Do you think anyone sells it? Whole, Whole Foods. Foods. That's it. Have a great week, everyone. Talk to you soon. Looking forward to hearing from you. See you next week. Bye-bye. Take that for data. Let out the meatloaf!